Morning BHA. It is a podcast about barbershop recorded today. Richard Reeve in Queensland and there's Ashdown in Perth. Two Australians talking about the greatest hobby on earth. Oh boy, it's swell to say good morning BHA. And good morning, BHA! Ash Scofield, ah, good day, mate! Good morning, BHA and Richard Reeve. How, we, are, um, how, how are you doing? Great I'm guy. doing great. Good morning. Particularly well, to, particularly well today, as the person who started mm. speaking before we introduced him has already, has already ruined the whole script. Um, we never briefed anyone. About <laughs> uh, Eddie Martinez did the same thing. Bloody AT Martinis. Um, but uh, yes, we've only we've we've just celebrated our fiftieth episode going out uh, of Good Morning BHA, and we're charging into our now we've 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 hit our half century. We're charging into the into the post fifty. So, without further ado, we'll we'll uh, welcome this week's guest, the uh, the legendary um, lead of the nineteen ninety nine champion 99. quartet, Fred, and all round. Um, uh, uh, marketing whiz, funny man, just ask Bad him. And, yes. and you can't rule it out, potential future US presidential candidate. Oh, you heard it first here, people. <laughs> you heard it here Mr. First. Rick LaRosa, That's welcome it. to hey. Good Morning BHA. My pleasure. You guys are ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's not news. <laughs> tell us tell us something we don't know um mate uh, really is fantastic to uh have you on the podcast and share some of your story uh we've um yeah we've we've loved interviewing a bunch of people over time and uh yeah no one more exciting uh, than than to have you sharing your your uh, your excellent story so why don't we just jump straight into it and um and and tell uh tell our listeners your musical background as a, as a youngin and, and how you discovered barbershop quartet singing. Oh, what a boring question. So I was in, uh, <laughs> I was in high school uh, and our choral director, I'd, I'd never been in any kind of choral group and I decided to try out for the swing choir, which was the number one choir in our high school in a little town of Ralston, Nebraska. And uh, the choral director happened to be the uh, director of the Omaha Central Statesman's Barbershop Chorus. So uh, I made the swing choir and I made some chamber choirs and things like that as a freshman. And it was, I was the only freshman in the group. So I was like, this is pretty cool. I, I can sing. And uh, he quickly put four of us young men together uh, in a bed. And uh, that was the end of that. <laughs> I'm kidding. He didn't put us the, in a bed. The, the rest uh, is history. <laughs> just, just for the record, he didn't do that. Here we go. Uh, so he, he uh, put four of us together and taught us a tag. And uh, before we knew it, we were a barbershop quartet in high school. And I, I started since I was 15 years old and have sung ever since. Yeah, except for Fantastic. on the national stage when we won. I wasn't singing then. That, that was there you go. Was, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That's why you won. So, um, <laughs> um, so you, you knew as a kid that you, A, loved singing and B, loved harmony. Singing, you were saying there, I think, that, that joining that group and being accepted into it... Um, what was did that sort of uh, prove to you or illustrate uh, that you could sing? Yeah, it proved to me that our choral director was an idiot. That's what it did. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, actually, there's, there's a theme quickly emerging in this in this interview. Yes. Actually, uh, actually, it did. You know, it's one of those things in any any activity, whether it's sports or, or music or uh, professional accomplishment. You know, confidence and having people believe in you and. Uh, encourage you and and having the curiosity and, and allowing you to make mistakes and try uh i think it boosted all sorts of my uh confidence uh you know as well as other things like boy scouts and such but music has been probably the largest and most consistent part of of my uh life i i went on to sing in a couple of our high school quartets we sang on the omaha central statesman's show with the dealer's choice i remember that uh wow. very ins- yeah. you know you're to do that and hear those guys, you kind of go, yeah, this is pretty awesome. And uh, I went to college in Absolutely. Lincoln, Nebraska, and I sang in a quartet called uh, Chairman of the Chord with the Ombudsman of the University, Dale Comer, who's a sound judge. He was uh, our yep. bass. Yep. And Al Dittmer, who is actually the Ombudsman of the University. Dale was the Assistant Attorney General of the state of Nebraska. And uh, our Sorry. tenor- Now you're just name dropping. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I was, all of a sudden you find yourself in these circles and uh, singing with people, you know, going to rehearse at their homes and their wives and, and yep. uh, just, you know, just kind of goes from there. And then I moved to, uh, when I was 24, moved to Atlanta and quickly got involved with the barbershop chorus there. Uh, eventually uh, sang in a, a quartet before I met Fred. And uh, then we all started singing together and just, you know, naturally best friends. Had such a great time together, uh, just growing up and singing and families and, and all that stuff. And uh, the rest is a disaster. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the, 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 the rest is a collapsed house of cards. Yes. So, um, <laughs> but I right then. <laughs> uh, mate, um, uh, all excellent. It, it just incidentally, for our listeners, I think you mentioned Dealer's Choice was on the show, yeah? Yeah, Dealer's Choice was in our show probably 19... And that... 70-something, 70, 70, 76. Yeah, uh, that was the Insiders, 76, um, maybe. Anyway, yeah, 70-something, and that's with Brian Beck, yeah? One of his two two wins, is that yeah. right? Brian and uh, choice. Yeah. Bill Thornton and uh, the other two guys. <laughs> the other two, yeah, exactly. <laughs> who, who, we will, who we will never forget. Um, mate, um, so, yeah, so get, just getting stuck straight into it. Um, tell us about the, the formation of Fred and, you know, whether you, how, you know, well, you knew the guys before and just tell us that story, please. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't remember how we all got together. We just started, Joe with Joe the bass, Joe Clay, he was in a, another quartet and they, they were doing okay. And Clay was in a quartet with his dad and uh, Tim and uh, Jed Brooks, and Jed passed away. And Jared, I don't remember, or the tenor, Jared Carlson, I don't remember if he was in another quartet at the time or not, but um, we all were members of the Big Chicken Chorus. So all existing barbershoppers, yep. Yep, so it was kind of the Big Chicken Chorus, and we were all there, and uh, Clay being an arranger guy, uh, he always, you know, was whipping out new tunes and things like that, and and, uh, tags to sing and encouraging everybody. And uh, I, I had always been in musical theater in high school and had written some things, uh, comedy things for other little groups and such, but had really hadn't done anything comedically in barbershop. And uh, so we started uh, having fun together because I was playing with words and he was uh, writing music. So that was a, you know, it felt like a Rodgers and Hammerstein, uh, you know, or uh, Ding and Dong, the Bell Brothers kind of. Uh, yeah. group and and Joe was just a great base and uh, Jared was just an idiot and uh, you know, we couldn't get so he rid fit of him. right in yeah we couldn't get rid of him he just kept hanging out <laughs> so we had to eventually sing with him so <laughs> so whose idea was it to, to form this quartet with, with you four uh, was it sort of you and Clay because you started to you know experiment with with the words and the music or yeah no I, I think we just all were best friends we just were having a great time together yeah we'd, nice we'd go have a beer and we'd we it was really friendship before the quartet and then I think eventually oh, that's cool uh, you know the the other quartets we were in uh, were competing but weren't doing something and we were having more fun together than anybody and uh, you know we just got together and it was a it was a twenty almost a twenty year run. You know, of us uh, wow. and and doing doing shows all over the world and having lots of fun and friends and so many memories mm, and uh, mm, mm. I keep trying to forget and I'm going to counseling now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, it keeps me so, um, so I always wake up with a so sweat. so this. The start of it was fairly organic. You're saying you were just hanging out and and you know having beers and just singing in a quartet. Um, t- tell us about the the, the first uh, you know the, the start and then uh, you know uh, uh, how how you first realised that you're actually onto something pretty good here. And were you a comedy quartet from the start just because you just just loved mucking around with each other? Yeah, you know I I, I would imagine it's like a lot of quartets that start they uh, they just like singing first of all. You got to love the the hobby and the passion of the sound and yep. and all that kind of great stuff and then you know eventually uh you learn a song or two and maybe you sing for somebody and you realize that 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 blend is pretty good uh and i, I remember us going through that kind of cycle and uh eventually we, you know we were singing all the standard songs we'd pick up row route four songs and insider songs mm-hmm. and uh, uh keepsake songs and just kind of anybody that was that was popular at the time we were replicating their singing and their songs and all that stuff and I think 
we finally did a show, probably a big chicken show, where we would you know have a couple cameo songs on it. And I believe we tried something that was kind of funny. And Jared's just a natural comedian, and uh, Joe is a natural straight guy, and uh, Clay's naturally tall. So, <laughs> it, it, and I was in I was in the middle of all that. So it was uh, fun to play off Jared, and uh, and help with the timing and you know just the the looks and the, the stuff. And then eventually. Uh, I think I probably had an opportunity to spread my wings and, and start parodizing songs and writing parodies. The, the group before Fred uh, was a comedy group I was in, and I was, I was writing, uh, I remember, uh, let's go bowling at Harmony Lane. So it was a bowling parody on, uh, you know, thing we all dressed in. It was funny, and we were just having a lot of fun. And so I think that got noticed you know by Fred and I started just writing more and more stuff and uh, Jared naturally tuned into those ideas and we'd laugh we spent more time laughing rehearsals than we ever sang and it was obvious by our mm, singing scores yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> took, took the words out of my mouth um, and and so yeah um, so it, again it was fairly organic and you so you relatively quickly became exclusively a comedy quartet uh, yeah I'd say so uh, it probably took a year or so uh, again, we just enjoyed the singing, so we were, we were singing all sorts of straight songs. Uh, and I don't remember the first time we actually did a, you know, quote, comedy bit, but uh, it, it, it didn't happen immediately. Uh, and then it, it kind of snowballed. We start, you know, it's probably like many things. You start to get a reputation or you start to find your comfort zone and you're, you're looking at the audience reaction. And you're saying, hey, that worked pretty well. And how about this? Mm -hmm. And how about that? And, and then uh, away you go. Sometimes so, so just on that, yeah. just on that, um, what advice would you have for other quartets that are sort of at that fork in the road? They're going, oh, this comedy thing seems to be working pretty well. You know, do you, does it have, does it have to be a binary thing or, you know, when, what, what are the warning signs that you should maybe cool your jets and not jump off the cliff? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I can tell you one big warning sign, <laughs> but, uh, people don't laugh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, for, for guys that are, are, are ladies that are getting into comedy quartets specifically, I guess, um, I, I found that when it's real, you know, when it's a natural, it comes off naturally, you're not forcing jokes and you're not uh, forcing mm. things, but you're just, you honestly and, and heartfelt enjoy the laughter and enjoy each other. Yeah. And it, uh, that's, that's when you know you can kind of run on that for a while. I think if you, you know, there's lots of groups that tell jokes or sing funny songs, uh, and and they people will certainly laugh because they're funny songs and they're jokes. Mm. Uh, but I think if you if you use that as part of your springboard and you find yourself doing it naturally, just kind of give it time, and uh, eventually uh, you'll be upside down. <laughs> for our listeners, Ash's video on this call just suddenly put him upside down, which would get timing was just perfect timing. <laughs> Rick and I look at him going, what are you doing hanging from the ceiling? I wanted some attention, yeah. Um, and mate, uh, we'll get into some of your uh, specific examples of performances, but generally talk us through your um, the, the, the process and, and you know how you know when it's funny do, do, have you developed a you know, pretty clear uh, sort of internal critique or do you tend to you know did you, you know, bounce things off the other guys to, to test with yourself whether whether it would actually work etc yeah I mean it's certainly these these three guys and audiences and coaches I mean they all play a big part you don't you know you know no person is an island and uh, we had lots of influence on along the way but I I thought the, probably some of the more successful things we did were when, uh, and I say I, but it, maybe more times it was me, but a lot of times it was other people that would have an inspiration or you'd get an idea somewhere. And maybe I would be the one that had the most time or the most interest in developing it. So I, I just remember, mm. uh, you know, have an idea like, uh, 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 you know, like uh, we had did a, bu a, a Butchers of Barbershop set, and I forgot mm. what inspired that. And it was just an AIC bit, and 
but you know, four guys in cleavers and, and butcher aprons and- <laughs> White aprons, yeah. Yeah, and singing and, and every time you do a, a move, you know, you'd chop some guy's abdomen or his arm and, you know, just ended up- ah, Bloody hell. Just singing and ah, and eventually, you know, dying on stage. So that was just that extreme comedy and, and I remember, uh, I remember we talked through a concept of, uh, I see trees green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, just the, some of it just kind of wrote itself, you know, it, it writes right. itself and you just think, yeah, that's a, stupid thing you know and, uh, <laughs> that'll and work would, that's just stupid and, enough to work yeah we would laugh and laugh and laugh <laughs> and then jared would do funny looks and it makes it even more fun and you know clay's tall <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course you know within the the, the, the comedy parody uh, uh area or genre um you know that people have different takes there's you know there's the, the the just complete slapstick over one side and then you know there's the more subtle you know gentle play on words etc the other one um how, how did again you found your groove just organically just by experimenting and you know what did you find funny and what what did audiences find funny yeah exactly right i mean and you know if you, you read comedy or development of comedy books or you you watch and i'm a i you know love watching comedy musicals and com comedy shows and all that stuff and mm. and it's just you know uh, funny is funny and whether it's a uh, darker mm. comedy or blue or uh just slapstick or you know puns and parodies and things like that they all are interesting and and you just start to get in that vocabulary and uh, you come up with things that are are basically always been done but just done to a different medium or done to a different song or done in a different way and uh people mm -hmm. love you know seeing the same funny joke over and over it's still funny so uh i think yeah you know we certainly weren't the first comedy quartet in barbershop and, and you know there were tons of groups that came before us that were always doing fun and funny songs and i remember rural mm -hmm. route four I'm, I'm from nebraska so uh, you know, we saw Rural Route 4 a lot and uh, some of those groups. And they were always just very entertaining. Um, I think mm. we just uh, naturally drifted into more of a all-comedy type group. Uh, mm. and, and that was maybe different than some of the other quartets at the time, at least. And, and just to, you know, babble on a little longer, you know, we really worked on our no, singing. No, keep babbling. That's, that's what we're here for. Yeah, we, uh, we really worked <laughs> on our singing. I mean, we were... You know, we were always trying to figure out how to sound better while we're standing on our head and Jared's pants are down. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, how do you how do you do it? So, which is the typical quartet experience? Yeah, well, we practice it over and over and over. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and that's what's so, so funny. Laughing <laughs> is an ugly sign. Yeah, absolutely. So, you, you mentioned funny's funny, and and you know, various shows were, were there. Were there? Did you get inspiration from any particular? Um, you know, well-known comedy shows that we would all know, or it was just sort of did it all come from everywhere? No, I think it, I, I can't. I can't point to one. I, it, I, you know, I was a big Monty Python fan. Uh, it's amazing you should say that because I was just thinking of Monty Python. Yeah, yeah, Monty Python was great through the day, and all the stand-up comedians. I mean, they're all they're great. But I, I really don't feel like there was anything that we were sure. imi imitating or trying to follow. I think mm. it's just general comedy, mm. and you know, a lot of it was Clay. Also, he had such a great sense. That's what kind of made our group maybe special in a way was that Clay could use comedic ideas or themes and write music to it, uh, you know, and figure out mm -hmm. how to arrange that so that Jared could stand on his head or, yeah, well. uh, you yeah, know, okay. or, or how to how to write it so that the words that I was coming up with or the ideas we were having would would be even better. In, for our voicing, uh, for the the concept and all that kind of stuff, and it, you know, it really was. If you look, you look back at some of the, some of the, uh, the tempo or some of the chords, cording we were doing, it's relatively simple. We weren't trying to do anything mm -hmm. outstanding. Uh, Vocal gymnastics, yeah. Occasionally yeah. we'd we'd be able to hit hit something kind of cool, but uh, our our game was trying to work uh, singing into comedy uh, more than mm -hmm. the other way around. Yeah. So. 
And um, speaking of that, um, uh, the I Got Rhythm uh, uh, performance you did or a parody you did, it was, you know, that's, was that um, largely Clay or sort of both of you? Because that, you know, that's very much on the musical, you know, joke side. Yeah, very much. I mean, one of my favorite pictures of us, matter of fact, is just Clay and I sitting at a piano, uh, you know, just working through, working through a song. And, and, uh, and I, I, I think, again, I don't, uh, I'm sure someone will correct me, but I think that was, again, <laughs> my idea of what if we're off? You know, what if we start the song and it doesn't fit? And, you know, what do you do? And uh, you don't know how to fix it, and there's, there's empty space, and then the words don't fit. And, Surely uh, that's an idea for a start, and then you panic, and, like, there's got to be a song that's just about the writing yeah, process. Yeah, so... So that's where it oh, yeah. goes, and but then, you know, for Clay to write, ba 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 ba, and you know, and there was no ending. We are out of words, and you know, then what do we do next, and how do we sing it, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And Clay, you know, again, Joe, Joe was great, uh, but you know, not necessarily one of the creative drivers of the quartet. He was kind of the the foundation rock and. Jared was uh, mm. the actor on stage, and you know we played that up and allowed that to happen. Uh, not that we could stop it, but we certainly, fo you know, <laughs> focused on it. But you know, behind the at scenes, least channel it, yeah, yeah. But behind the scenes, you know, it was basically Clay and I that were putting together the routines or putting together the songs or the concepts mm -hmm. and uh, bringing them to the guys and trying it out and anything we would bring to the guys uh, as a concept or as a musical piece it would always get better when the four of us were together I mean it would it's uh, sure. it's that trial and error of and we had the patience and we had the the, the passion to, uh, to keep going I mean even when we would do something and you know it's just the four of you standing in a living room and there's nobody to laugh mm -hmm. and there's nobody to react to and except each other trust yourself that okay that's the right thing no let's try it this way and then basically if it entertained us it was going to entertain everybody else so we were our yeah, own right. critics uh, about what was happening the same thing with singing i suppose you, you hear it and it's right and uh, if, if it's not you you know move on but and we had lots of great coaches go ahead with your coaches that was one of my next questions yeah a lot of coaches i mean people were trying to stop us constantly <laughs> oh you you're so crazy we were constantly being beaten down and shut up shut up <laughs> but was it was uh, no, it mostly had, internal you know, or did you yeah you had the, your coaches um uh, uh yeah tell us your, your relationship with them and you know did they did you tend to take things to your coaches fairly developed or did often they get you know involved from the ground floor yeah no we we uh, I didn't understand with your accent anything you're talking about, but I'll try my best to. Just Most people don't, accent. yeah. So, yes, uh, I like bologna and cheese sandwiches. That's what <laughs> you want to know. Well, that was definitely that's that's the answer to a question. It wasn't the answer to the question I asked. Yeah. No, so I, just to talk about coaches. I mean, you know, it was Larry Ager and. Uh, uh, just all of them, you know, and Clay and I were co judges, so we eventually uh, got into the uh, category school. They let you into the judging program. Judging. Yeah, Clay was a, a ranging judge or a, whatever that is now, and I was a presentation judge. So, you know, we were we were crazy busy. We were doing shows. Uh, we had families. Uh, we were judging. Uh, we were coaching. But I mean, coaches all the way up and down the line, we always were very eager to be coached. And that's another thing you, you, know, you would recommend to any quartet is that you, mm. you just seek out opinions. And whether you hang on to them or not, then that becomes your choice as a group. But at least you hear it. Uh, and, yeah. and there's always something to learn from it, whether it's a negative or a positive, a, a gap or an overlap, you're getting reinforced in, in positive or negative ways. And, you need that uh, in a vacuum, and that's what you hire these experts for, because you're too close to the trees to see the forest. So you you need somebody on the outside to give you some opinion. So, and uh, coaches were great; they helped us all the way down the line. You know, there there were some coaches that we would listen to, and uh, and just leave the coaching session and kind of say, "Well, that wasn't 
you know, wasn't good for us. It wasn't quite what we thought we were going to get mm -hmm. out of that. Uh, but most of the time, there always was something we could grab onto. Mm. And tell us about the, your, your choice of material, um, like all quartets, I assume, that you started off down a road and you just went, you know, I just don't think that's going to work. Or, you know, were there many times when you, you felt like a particular joke would cross the line of, you know, sensitivity or taste or something? Or was that, was that not much of an issue for you? Oh, I know where we're going to go. I know where you're leading me. <laughs> you dog. Dog. Leading you, leading you by the nose like a buffalo. You dog, you. Yes. Most of the, yeah, most of the ideas uh, were well vetted and uh, we, were, mm -hmm. we were clear to kind of go on. And then we, you know, we know this is a family audience and, and uh, all that. So uh, even the afterglows, I mean, we might, you might hint at something that's a little blue, but we try to keep all that above. And, and mm. uh, most of the ideas we were dealing with were just comic ideas. And if we, if mm. we wanted to push the boundaries, uh, you know, the, we would do it in a, a musical way, or we do it in a, an artistic way, or a comedic I, way. I, we wouldn't, mm. we wouldn't do it with a, anything taste typically. You know, I'm sure we got in trouble from time to time just being four guys on the road. That's uh, sometimes a mess. So it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I I remember uh, it wasn't this quartet, but there was, it happens all the time. Uh, not all the time to me, but it does happen. Uh, I I typically am one to wake up early. The guys we'd all stay up late and have fun and be the we you know we always talked about being the last guys at the afterglow. We wanted to close it down and make sure they knew we we were there for them and and singing with anybody who wanted to sing and. All that kind of good stuff. Awesome. So we're always very sensitive to uh, who we who we are with and who invited us and people that wanted to hang out and stuff like that. And so we would, you know, stay up all night or we'd fly home very tired. But I was typically an early riser, so I would wake up in the morning time and and explore the city. I loved to get out and you know go go have a roll that uh, at the bakery that happened to be open, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I did a show one time in uh, Nanaimo up in uh, Canada. And I remember, it was just me on the street, and I'm walking down the street, and there's a gentleman without a home uh, sleeping on a bench, and uh, and he was he was not just passed out; he was you could tell he was homeless, so to speak. And uh, I walked by, and I don't know why he woke up, but he woke up and just looked at me and said, "Rick Larosa," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" I was like, what? So. <laughs> You know, I just, you know you've made it yeah. when you resonate with the homeless community. <laughs> yeah. He was a singer from somewhere way back and ended up uh, not at the show or anything. Just happened to be there. So I don't know how he started wow, talking Wow, that, that is a serious coincidence. Um, mate, uh, this is excellent. Time is, really is getting away. Uh, tell us about the trajectory. And, and the, you know, you mentioned that there was, uh, you know, there was many years of Fred. Um, tell us, A, how your um, your goals evolved, you know, and start once you started to have competition success, was there any tension between just doing what you loved, which was singing together and making audiences and, and you, each other laugh, and, and you know, and and did the um, did the uh, the attractions of of the increased competition success uh, interfere with that, or did they just go hand in hand? Yeah, no, I think I think you're exactly right in asking that question. At the beginning, it was just we couldn't believe that we were having that much fun, and somebody wanted to hire us to to do that. So, you know, starting to become that uh, regional quartet, and then starting to become a more of a national quartet, and then an international quartet. You know, and and then having uh, companies call you and say we want to take a tour to uh, the Greek islands, or we want to take a tour to Australia, and we want to, you know, Frank. Uh, uh, I forgot Frank's last name, Bats or something like that. Uh, anyway, it organized lots of tours and trips and cruises for us and our family. But but uh, as you as we started to compete more and more, we really never had the aspiration of uh, winning or, or doing any meddling or anything like that. And I think when it finally hit us is we competed, and I think our first competition we were 47th or 46th. And, uh, Been there. Yeah, and and the, and the and the next one, uh, we were twenty, or something like that. We were in the twenty, and it was like, what happened? And and that's, you know, it's just like uh, the music director in high school, that you uh, you get that boost of confidence and encouragement that hey, you know, that wasn't 
that wasn't much different than before. We just happened to maybe sing two comedy songs and not just one. And you, so you start to gravitate towards your strengths, and, and that's what we did. You know, comedy was where we were. And once we got into the medals, I would say, because it seemed like we were in the 20, or then we got to be 11 or something, and I don't even remember how we placed, but eventually we got, it was like four, two, four, one. So, you know, you're spending, yeah. you're spending six, seven years in the top 20 and, you know, you're, you're getting busy with shows and you're wondering if you can win it and you, you're mm. hiring more coaches and uh, you're doing more coaching yourself and judging and so, it starts to become a little stressful in terms of the schedule, but also in terms of, like you say, the aspiration of, hey, we can do this, and wh what do we need to do different that we're not doing last year that we're going to do this year? And the contests are a year away, so you're, you know, it's a long time before you get to find out if what you've chosen is the right direction. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, I think there was additional uh, tension as we went into, I, I think especially the year we were second, uh, because, you know, we really thought, this is it. I mean, we, you know, we're going to make it. We were second place having a silver medal, and, and then we went back to fourth. And, uh, you know, that's a, it's a Losers. humbling experience. <laughs> but, but, you know, all those years and, and stuff of trial and error and having audiences not laugh and, and wondering, you know, what we need to do, it teaches you not to give up and uh, to, you know, have faith in what you kind of come to do. And, and we, never, we never were a quartet that, like had to win. We weren't uh, so focused on winning that uh, it became we were going to break up if we didn't win. That just wasn't us. And hmm. and uh, I think you know all four of us were you know relatively down to earth, uh, just trying to have fun together and keep our heads about the comedy we were doing and stuff like that. So. And when you won, I mean, obviously you'd been competing for a long time. Did you miss competing, or you know you'd, you'd done it for a long time, so you were quite happy just to do shows after that? Yeah, no, I, I don't think we missed competing uh, because I think the year we won, we finally felt like uh, we weren't competing. Uh, this was just us putting, ah, on, putting on a show. Hey, yeah. There you go. So we just kind of, we've finally gotten our head, you know, out of our head that we could just relax and just kind of sing like we normally do and enjoy ourselves. We had some new material and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, the competition was probably very weak that year, so we won. So that was... <laughs> I was just yeah. going to say luckily, you uh, took you took, took the words uh, gotten their legs yet we just barely beat them so I was just going to say platinum in Michigan Jake yeah, exactly. is is uh, is not not an easy uh, um, uh, uh, competition to beat yeah um, mate um, listen uh, there's so much more to, to talk about we, we'll, we may come back to quartetting a bit later but you've, you've obviously done so much coaching of, of uh, again some of the society's most loved and 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 uh, most successful um uh, uh performances Let, let's spend a few minutes talking if, if we can about you know, the vegetable set and and the caveman set i mean they were just so outstanding we'll yeah. start start with the veggie set how, tell us about how that came about and sure, the story sure. had, had i i had as much fun coaching and uh, helping other groups win as we ever did ourselves. I mean, I, you know, to mm. me, it was such an honor uh, to, to win, but these guys, you know, we'd been working at it for a long time and enjoying each other's company, but to, to be asked by other groups to come and help them and, and uh, can you write us a parody or can you uh, come coach us? I mean, Steve Armstrong, uh, Steve Morin, those guys are just gems and they, they give so much to the society uh, and to their choruses and, and their friends that uh, you just, it's, I mean anybody who's a director uh, really understands how much time and love goes into a group and, uh, mm. and anyway so yeah uh, writing stuff for uh, uh, with the Toronto Northern Lights the vegetable set they that specifically was a challenge because they have so many talented people in that group mm -hmm. I mean they just are and they had done some amazing things over the years with the the mime set and I was just so many yeah. out of the box ideas. Yeah. They were already established as a really unusual and highly successful yep. group. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And and exactly. And and they, you know, to to come into that group, it's intimidating. At the same time, you think you've got to kind of hold. I've got to kind of hold my own because I have a sense of what works and what doesn't and what you know timing. And I remember, mm. not heated, but. Uh, 
healthy debates about timing and costumes and lyrics and mm. you know what what's going to work and what's not and you know it's tough to prove a negative so you don't know if some idea you poo-pooed would have been even mm. better but uh mm. the group the group is just so talented that uh i had i had an absolute ball going up there and working and playing and and trying this and you know and and i'm in atlanta and we're flying up to toronto and all all the time and those are just fun trips and then the same thing mm. with Oregon. Uh, I eventually moved out to Oregon because I was spending so much time out here. And, <laughs> and Steve and those guys are just nuts. And, you know, they'd never, they'd never done really anything like Toronto. And they just were still a kind of a ragtag small chorus. But uh, Steve... Very different chorus, as you say, because that Toronto Northern Lights had, had, had won multiple, multiple silver medals. Uh, whereas, yeah. um, you know, Salem Sanitaires had, you know, bounced yes. around the sort of the middle of the competition and, and hadn't been up in the medals before. So really quite a different situation. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, like I say, Steve and, uh, and his, his team, they were just wide open. I mean, they were, they were a bunch of great, uh, lovable guys, but they didn't have the depth of uh, skill or talent uh, in the creative department that uh, Toronto does or... Uh, some of the other courses we worked with. So hmm. for them, they had the initiative and the, I, su I suppose the smarts and the guts to just say, tell us what to do. You, you write right. it, you, you uh, dress us, you, anything you want to do, just keep poking. <laughs> and you know, so of course they had guys around that that would react and, and to chime in and, and make it even better also. But they were more of an open book in terms of creativity and stuff. And I. I think, uh, again, that was probably one of the most rewarding times is to see a group that uh, goes to international but never had broken anything uh, as far as rankings mm. go, and all of a sudden we do something that's, that uh, was just all the way out, you know, the whole caveman thing and the lyrics and the costumes mm -hmm. and just nutty performance, and, uh, and then have that get a medal for those guys so they just nothing could have been better they were over the moon yeah they were over the moon uh we, we haven't <laughs> we haven't finished talking about the vegetable set yet but just since you you know since you've clearly taken control of the interview and we'll just talk about whatever you want um <laughs> tell us <laughs> tell us um yeah it's a very, it's fascinating you say that the two were really very different a, a vegetable set with toronto was was very collaborative between you and the team yes. yeah whereas whereas the sanitaires was okay all right rick just tell us what to do and where to go and we'll just do yeah, it really you, interesting you know, differences go ahead finish your question and i'll ignore it so, yeah, thank you, as expected. So um, my question is, in relation to um, the caveman set, when, when, you, when you got to international, um, did you think it was a high risk or did you know, listen, there's something pretty special going on here, and what about the chorus? Did, how did they feel about what they're about to put on stage? Yeah, no, I, I thought the caveman set was a winner. I mean, I just, I really thought everything mm -hmm. we were writing was uh, just spot on in terms of the comic and the timing and the the looks and the reactions i i thought the caveman set was everything it it was um they did some other sets that i that i thought uh never got as good as it sh it could have been uh and and again mm -hmm. i think they were very well done and very funny they we did an orchestra set uh mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. and that's how that's how available steve and the chorus became to to us and creative ideas were they just would do anything. So we had a uh, uh, orchestra set, which every, I mean, they bought all sorts of instruments, and uh, mm -hmm. they were a complete orchestra. Everybody seated during the whole performance. Uh, you know, a couple stand-up, just for comic relief kind of stuff, but uh, just brilliant and great writing, uh, all that stuff. We did another. Um, what was the other set we did? I, I know we did a terrible set, but we did uh, another good one too. Um, yeah, I forgot. Oh, whatever. Well, I'll remember it later, in the middle of something. But that's all right. So, <clears throat> so the chorus arriving in international was was feeling this. We can't wait to get on stage because this is just going to blow everyone's minds. That that was it was a was that right? The chorus was pre pre feeling pretty positive. Yeah, I think so. I, I I think they were scared. I mean, we were all were right. We all were afraid of uh, kind of would it work or not. But that's just a pretty natural. Hmm. I uh, think being in front of an audience, uh, if you if you mm, aren't aware mm. of your audience uh, anyway, you you just don't have any feeling for it. You're probably not going to do very well. So yeah, yeah, always have Too the shy. feeling that this is a performance. If you're a character and 
I hope, uh, hope they get it. But I, I, mm. I think uh, everybody, by that time, you're so well rehearsed and, and all that stuff that I think everybody thought this was going to be quite a show. And, you know, if you're, if you're pretty confident about that, then it's, it's in, you're eager to show, put it out there. You're eager to show everybody uh, this. Mm. And then mm. the first laugh you get, you know, and we were getting laughs when the curtain opens. So that, mm. that eases everyone's tension. You kind of go, all right, good. Oh, I think, yeah. think they're going to get it. And, and it, makes it, mm. makes it just a fun ride from there on. Absolutely. One of my favorite memories, I was uh, lucky enough uh, with my quartet mates to be shadow judging uh, in the pit. And um, funnily, uh, um, my, the lead of my quartet, Adrian Gimple, had, uh, he was there shadow judging and he'd, um, uh, he'd, I think he'd just applauded for a, for a previous competitor. Yeah, but Rich, uh, Richard, and, and, and Richard, this isn't about hey? you, okay? This is about <laughs> Yeah, thanks, this, thanks for your, your awkward interjection. This is about me now, um, so focus and, on me. And, focus, and, Richard, uh, focus on so, me. So to continue this story, that's not about me. Um, <laughs> Uh, he was told, oh, you know, we we don't applaud, we just sort of let them leave, and uh, and then uh, the, there's uh, for listeners who aren't aware, the the caveman set was the last of the of the competition, yeah. and um, and uh, and not only um, did uh, all of the judges uh, applaud yeah. just spontaneously, uh, they all stood standing up ovation. and uh, well, hey, yeah, standing ovation, really cool. But also, yeah, as in the judging pit, which just never happens. Yeah, yeah all the judges just spontaneously gave a standing ovation, well, uh, which was just an night, extraordinary. So to go home, no doubt. <laughs> time, time to go home. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> mate, so, and so oh, just cycling back because hey, we've so Richard, yeah, go I just ahead. Want to jump back. I, I know you're going to uh, eventually. Uh, we're talking about Salem, so I, I wanted to also chime in. You know, we did a monk set. That was the one I forgot. Uh, the whole the, monks, yeah. the whole monk thing, and that was a lot of fun too. And then, you know. It's funny, sometimes you mentioned about pushing the boundaries and stuff like that. We did a set with Salem that kind of became, uh, again, popular for all the wrong reasons. Uh, it happened to be the year that um, the ladies were going to be allowed into the judging program or something like that. There was, it was the big mm. change in the society in terms of membership, or, or I, I believe it was judging program. So yep. we thought it'd be fun to Ha to dress half the chorus in ladies, red, bright ladies' outfits with uh, wigs, and half the chorus in men's outfits, and by the end of the, and sing songs about, uh, you know, competition and taking over and, and we're moving in and, uh, you know, all the stuff. I don't remember all the stuff, but it wasn't meant to be derogatory. But, it, but at the end of the set, I mean, basically everybody had become a woman and, uh, you know, was in charge, basically. And, and I remember it you know all of us were talking about is this going to be okay uh what do you think i mean how often do you see men dressed up as ladies on the international stage and you know in such a uh not political but in such a topical subject and i and i you know the funny thing is in my mind is i still thought it had humor in it and you know if you watch saturday night live or movies or you know, TV shows, they're all pushing the edge and they all talk about, you know, things that might be a wee taboo or, you know, make you think about something. And we had so many coaches come in, uh, and I, I won't name their names because then they'll be, <laughs> they'll be uh, embarrassed. But, you know, we had coaches come in of the judging system and judge that set with, uh, not, not, I wouldn't say judge it, but coach the set with wigs mm -hmm. and red dresses and all that stuff and to a man uh, and maybe that's what the problem was that we didn't have any ladies come in and, and judge us mm -hmm. and coach us but if but to a man all of them said cool funny yeah nothing wrong with that that should be fine and blah 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 and i don't know if they were just wow. afraid to change direction or to question what had been you know some successes in the past but you know we went into that set knowing that it was uh different than anything that had been done before but we didn't mean it to be offensive and and I don't think, you know, it's hard to say. I didn't, maybe because uh, I didn't hear the truth from a lot of people, but I didn't hear a lot of offensive comments. I just heard it being more controversial and things like that. So, I, But that certainly was kind of a turning point in the other direction for Salem. And uh, they did so poorly in that contest that, you know, they, I, think, I think you realize how fragile the line is between, you know, comedy and tragedy. 
so we mm -hmm. we lived through it, and then you know the chorus is doing fine, but it was a it was a really a downer. So as as much as you have some some successes, you also have some failures, and you kind of go, ah, mm -hmm. we we went too far, or they didn't get it, or you know it was it, they weren't ready for it, or whatever you want to rationalize, but it uh, it didn't work. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, this might be the first time that I ask you an unfair question and put you on the spot, uh, back you into the corner. What, what's your <laughs> what's what's your what's your very polite and diplomatic um, opinion on the state of barbershop at the moment and and how it might come out of the lockdown? Because of course it's you know been very tough for for a lot of people. Yeah, you know I I, I wished I could tell you I. I my honest reaction or answer to that is I'm a little more out of it these days. Uh, I've moved out to Oregon. Uh, I've remarried. Uh, I've, I've restarted my company out here. So I've just been, you know, so I'm away from Fred. I'm away from, uh, you know, 30 years in my, in my second home, Atlanta. Um, so I've lost connection with, not, you know, not friendships, but I've lost connection with a lot of the roots that were back there and and therefore between that move and then the covid uh, situation and and uh, the, every, everything kind of shutting down in person socially uh, I've kind of found that you know it's just a time to take a breath and and I don't I don't have an a, opinion or a thought about how it's going to come back it seems very tough to me you know still most of my Facebook friends are barbershoppers and it just seems like, you know, between the changes in the society and the social uh, distancing that's been going on, it's going to be a while before we all get back to uh, drinking beers on the corner and, and, and singing all night long. It just seems like it's a, mm -hmm. you know, it's the same thing with businesses and everything. You know, they, they have found that what they thought was the only way forward isn't quite the only way forward. And now we're all mm -hmm. looking for how to how to find that middle ground or what, where is that middle ground? And I think the singing mm. hobby is gonna do the same thing. I mean, for a long time, people have learned to not miss something and to live without it. And uh, I hope it doesn't kill the society and I, I'm sure it won't. And I, I hope it doesn't kill the hobby and I'm sure it won't either. But it seems like mm. it will harm it. It has harmed it uh, like so mm. many other things. And uh, you know, I hope, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a gender thing or a, anything else i think it's just the timing of these all these things kind of coming together is going to make it a little mm -hmm. difficult mm -hmm. timing uh, couldn't have been worse uh, timing yeah exactly but um mate um we're all, we're almost out of time but uh, tell us briefly uh, about you know naturally about was five years roughly ago the society changed the presentation category to the performance category um uh, partly because you know we're sort of a correct me if I'm wrong, but sort of record, uh, rewarding, you know, we wanted to change what we were rewarding. Um, how do you see uh, that change in focus? And, and, and yeah, do you think we're now better at rewarding performances that would be seen by the broader public as just entertaining? Yeah, definitely. I think that was a good change. You know, they, I think they went through the, uh, the program and, we, you know, at the beginning it seems like it was a... Uh, I wouldn't say militaristic, but it was certainly a more organized and disciplined approach to scoring and and qualifying and quantitating what was happening. And, and I think eventually it grew up and saw that there was lots of overlaps and lots of lots of room for uh, differences of, of presentation and and, uh, and and such. And I think I think that uh, was a positive for for the whole hobby. At that point, same thing with the you know singing and sound and arranging and all that. I think that all worked out real well. Mm -hmm. um, well, mate, uh, Ash, unless there's anything you want to hop into, I'll uh, I'll, I'll transition seamlessly to my favourite last question, oh uh, which is uh, what am I wearing? Which, yeah, exactly. Which is Rick LaRosa. Yeah, have you got <laughs> have you got pants on? Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> what are you wearing? What, yes, I understand. What would what would 2021 Rick LaRosa um, uh, tell 15-year-old uh, Rick LaRosa about Barbershop and, and, uh, and your, your place in it and opportunities? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I would, if I had to talk to myself uh, back when I was 15 years old, uh, I would probably tell myself to... Uh, be careful when you go on a date. <laughs> and, 
and don't do that. That's not nice. Okay, so what about barbershop? What would you, what would you tell yourself about that? Yeah. Oh, you mean singing things. Uh, well, let's see. I, you know, I, what, I, what I live by, or I, I like to think, is be kind, be positive, uh, keep going, don't give up, be curious, uh, you know, learn as much as you can, be a, be a Renaissance guy, I mean, do a little bit of everything, uh, you know. Uh, enjoy the, the passage of time. Uh, in, enjoy just being here and, uh, and always try to help people, always try to make the world better than when you found it. And just all the, all the things. And you know, you're going to stumble along the way, you're going to hurt people, you're going to get hurt. Uh, but you know, stay positive and, uh, and be, be a force for happiness and be a por force for love and a force for uh, change and all those things. I, it, I think that's what I would certainly tell any 15-year-old boy. A and be careful on dates. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, as, uh, as friends of ours say, I don't care what everyone else says. I reckon actually you're a pretty good bloke. Um, so, uh, mate, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, wrap it up there. Uh, basically, uh, it's been a, a delight uh, but, but to I've talk to you. To it says about. here. <laughs> What's that? I said, but, I, but I've got a whole lot more to talk about. We can't, you can't stop me now. <laughs> then then talk all right i'll just i'll just i'll hand the metaphorical microphone over to you what, what would you like to say in closing given you've got so much more to ramble about clearly <laughs> no i appreciate the guys the opportunity for this and very cool uh, you guys are doing all this and keep it up keep it up yeah mate um it's been a delight to chat to you um so uh, thank you for the conversation uh but uh, mainly yeah thank you for your just awesome uh contribution to barbershop over the years you've brought people around the world uh, endless happiness so uh so thank you for the music and the entertainment oh, thank you. Appreciate that. all right bye see you guys thank you Richard. Ha <laughs> ha